I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Leaf Report is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers... They're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. So November 30th, the Leafs are going to come back from all these road games. They play at home against the Sabres. It'll be a Casimir-Cascasuo start, potentially. So if you want to see that, you can go to the GameTime app. It's an easy two-tap checkout. The GameTime app is simple. It's quick. It's easy to navigate. So download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute tickets on deals with tickets up to 60% off. I'm in a pretty good spot in my life. You know, my kids are growing. If my kids were young, I'd never coach in Toronto. Okay, so in my spot, I don't spend a whole lot of time listening, but I do get text messages from people that, you know, are friends of yours, and they're sending you texts, well, they care about you. Well, I'm going to do it as hard as I can as long as I can, and I've always bet on Mike Babcock, I'll continue to bet on him. Okay, James, you are in Vegas. We're recording this on Monday night in Toronto, Monday afternoon in Vegas. What's like your your most exciting thing planned for Vegas? Uh, we're doing a dinner with the media people tonight and actually I don't have big plans. You know, I'm at, I don't really have big plans. I'm just, I'm going to try and see more of the city. I've only been here once. I was here last year for like a day and a half this time because the Leafs came in early and they practiced here today. We're here longer. So I'm going to have a chance to see more. The The weather here is beautiful. I'm sure people in Toronto want to hear all about that, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's nice here. So unfortunately you can probably hear, I got I have a cold, so it's going to, I don't think I'm going to be, uh, partying all night or anything like that okay well two follow-up questions what restaurant are you guys going to and i'm guessing sean mckenzie booked it is that accurate and then yes. two what is your game of choice for gambling if you have a game of choice i actually like roulette which is kind of interesting a, a different it's kind of like a different choice than and, and blackjack's okay 
Um, are your odds better in roulette? Like, is that why? Roulettes are pretty good. Yeah, roulette's odds are like double zero. If it didn't have the double zeros, I'm pretty sure it would be 50-50 odds, which are which are pretty good. Like, so yeah. they put the zeros in. They put the zeros in there, and then that's like where the house can win sometimes. So, um, but like. I don't know if this like you could put big money on like red or black or like one of the ones that has pretty high odds and you got a pretty good chance of doubling your money right there, right? So huh. um slot machines I had just have no interest in at all. So tonight, okay, so here's how it goes. I said, uh let me know if there's room in the dinner reservation. And Mackenzie says, I had you locked in from the get go. So that that was nice. <laughs> and I said, Well, I haven't heard anything about it. And he's this is like two hours ago. And he says, 7.30, Sage at Aria. I don't know what that is, but that's where I'm going. Wow. Well, Sean does like his like high roller kind of cool places, and he, he's gotten pretty good at it. So I, I think you're in for a good a good meal and a cool vibe. So I fun. highly, I think I've done this before in the podcast. I highly, highly, highly recommend that Leafs fans come here for a game. The atmosphere in the city is awesome. The atmosphere in the arena is awesome. Like, it's especially this time of year when it's miserable in Toronto and it's like 25 degrees here. Like I was walking back from practice today. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon and like, everyone's just like, they play music on the streets and people are like dancing and drinking. And I'm like wearing my suit, like looking like the, the biggest dork in town. So, but well, and the for game, a fan, I'm, like the game vibe, James is like, is like nothing the, else in the league. It's cool. It's the best. It's the best in the whole league. It's like a big party. It's like this is like the dream that they had when they brought the team here. Like it's worked out incredibly well. Okay, enough chitter chatter. Chitter chatter, pitter pitter patter? No, chitter chitter chatter, pitter patter. Let's get at her. All right, so we don't we were planning to do this later in the week, but it, it feels like the right time to, to kind of talk about where things are at with the team. Um Obviously, they've lost five straight. It's it's a tense time. Um, I thought we should start with um, kind of the question marks surrounding Mike Babcock right now. You and I, we don't write that anything regarding like a, a coach's job security with, lightly. Like we only kind of go there if we if it feels warranted, and like we take that seriously. I think like I I, I think you and I have are pretty fair about that stuff. Um, and just sitting there watching the game on Saturday night, I was sitting right below the Leaf box uh, and where Leaf management was. And I just was thinking, like, what are those guys thinking watching that game? What is Kyle Dubas thinking that while he's watching that game? Um, you wrote about on Sunday, you know, the, the pros and cons kind of of whether the Leafs should move on or, or of moving on from Mike Babcock. Where do you kind of sit on this whole thing? Because after the game on Saturday, I started wondering, like, is it too soon? Is it the right time? And I felt like it was too soon. Um, and, and I kind of feel like from reading your piece, you kind of landed at the same place. Is, is that fair? Yeah, but it's, you know, it's getting closer though, right? Like the the Pittsburgh game, the game on Long Island, like there's the, the, the body of evidence is getting bigger. And I, I think that, what you said off the top is really important. Like we, we take this really seriously. Like it, you know, the, the fan base has been yelling fire Babcock since like the fifth game of the season. And 
like like the team made the decision to bring him back. They changed the roster dramatically. They've had a lot of injuries. They had a tough schedule early on. The goaltending hasn't been very good. I am of the mind that you you decide to bring the coach back. You give him a fair shot to to show you what he's trying to do and what he's trying to implement. And you know, the first ten or twelve games of the season, I don't think he had that. Now, you know, I think they've more had a chance to implement what Babcock and, and Hackstall and McFarland want to implement the last three weeks, and it hasn't. It's been they have not been good. It it, it looks like it's going in the wrong direction. Um, but the thing that I think that that some fans aren't keeping in mind is that you need another option that that makes sense, and you need to be sure that you're right. Like you, you yes. don't want to just light, you don't want to just light the season on fire just because like, I get it. I get that the fans are frustrated. Like Babcock, I get that. Like, I don't think they like the Babcock personality. I don't think they like, you know, and I think this goes back to the frustration of the last two playoff years with some of the things that happened in terms of, you know, playing Patrick Marlowe too much and leaning heavily on, on Hainsey and Zaitsev and Roman Polak and, and and there's a lot of valid stuff in there, um, mm-hmm. but I think they got to be. And part of what I talked about in my story is they just they got to be sure that number one Babcock's the wrong guy, and that Sheldon Keefe or whoever else they make the head coach is the right guy, and that they're not dooming their season to failure. You hit on a lot of stuff. I, I think one point um, I'll touch on first is there's. Any coach that comes in on any team and any fan base, there are going to be things that media or fans don't like about what they do. Like they're not, it's just, it's just going to be the case. Like the the new guy always seems like he's going to be different and he will, but he's going to bring along his own stuff and his own stuff that, that maybe you won't like, or I won't like, or a fan won't like. I think the point about a fair shot is, is really a good one. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 games does not feel like a fair shot. Like that's, that's, that's a quarter of the season. Like it doesn't feel long enough, especially on top of some of the stuff that you mentioned, integrating that many new players is, is, is not easy. It's, it's rare to have that many new players on a roster. And then like you add on top of that, really significant injuries like so even like you mentioned this last stretch of games like they got Tavares back like in the middle of that then they lose Marner then they lose Kerfoot then they lose more and granted every team is going to have injuries those are like significant parts and then you add on some of the stuff that's happening with those new players Tyson Berry not being the Tyson Berry I think they thought they were going to get like it just like it feels like it's been like a perfect storm of a lot of shit going wrong do you think that that's that's fair? And yet, like some of the stuff that that has gone on falls to the coaching staff, the defensive play, the power play, the penalty kill. It just feels like it's a mesh of a lot of things. Like it's not just the coach like you put in your story, but it's not like the coach isn't um, above reproach, I guess. They're not they're not blameless for sure. Like they yeah. they're and like I'm not even 100% certain that it's a, I think it's a hard decision for the front office right now. Like I don't if they did decide to let him go, 
after another couple, like it, let's say they have brutal losses in Vegas on Tuesday and Arizona on Thursday, if they decide to let them go on Friday, I don't think that the column that we would write after that would be like, what a terrible decision. Like it's getting to the point where like their season could be in jeopardy here. Like you, you saw the record that I had in my story that they need to get to, to get back up to, to make the playoffs. It's a very good record. And if they keep losing here, they're going to have to do something. And the tough spot that they're in is that it's, it's, it's going to be really hard for them to make a trade. It's going to be hard for them to, well, and the Replace. problem, James, with the the problem with the trade is like, let's say you trade one, like one, you trade one player that doesn't necessarily like solve your problems. Like you can, let's say you trade a forward and you try to get a defenseman who better fits your top four. Your team isn't just suddenly going to be better everywhere. Like you're just not going to be a different team. Like some of the stuff that's gone on, like. John Tavares hasn't been the John Tavares that they had last year. Mitch Marner, before he got hurt, wasn't Mitch Marner. Um, Morgan Riley has had, uh, like we suspect and we know, like he was banged up. I don't know that the fit with with CeCe has been perfect. Like those two are still figuring each other out. Clearly, Muzzin and Barry wasn't working. Um, Like there's just been like a lot of like stuff um, that hasn't worked and like I wonder, like you add two new coaches who have their own ways of doing things on special teams and defending, you know what I mean? Like playing offense, like it just feels like a lot of change and, and uh, the group hasn't adapted well to that. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% accurate. And it's like some of what's wrong falls on the front office. Like one of the, probably the biggest addition that the front office made was Tyson Berry and it's it has yeah. not worked. And the critics that said I remember when they made that trade and I was really on the fence because I didn't know that Barry was necessarily what they needed. And you're trading like a heart and soul guy like Kadri and Kerfoot's been good. Like I like I like what Court Kerfoot looks like and I think that I think that long term he's gonna be fine. Um but they, they needed help help on D and with Barry playing the way he is, and with CC, like CC's been okay, but you know, put in a really difficult, they, like they didn't really solve the problem they had to solve, and they didn't address what was happening at the backup goalie position, and you know, the front office is going to have to wear some of that, and I think that you know, when or if they make the coaching move, the knives are going to like the what people are going to start talking about is all of the mistakes that the front office made. So, and one of the mistakes that like I, you can argue that some people can argue is that maybe they should have changed the coach in the summer. I don't know if you subscribe to that, but it's, it's certainly something that was talked about in that front office. And there were things that they didn't like in that series against Boston. Um, and I just think that if, if they were going to, give Babcock such a short leash that you're going to let him go 15 or 20 games into the season, they should have just done it in the summer and given Sheldon Keefe a full training camp and a full, you know, start of the season in, in a real clean slate, as opposed to where they are now, where it, it, if they lose like another two or four or five games and Keefe comes in now, he's walking into a really difficult situation. 
Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't think it was the right time to make the move after the season. But I agree with you. I, I, I never understand those teams that like 15, 20 games into a season, like they or even sometimes earlier, they fire the coach. It's like if you were that like on the fence about your coach, then you should have you should have replaced him and, and done a clean break. Um, I I just don't. It, it doesn't feel unless you got a guy who's like your assistant coach who's been around who like you have a lot of faith in like like what St. Louis did with Berube was there he had been around the team he had been a head coach before in the NHL he'd be an assistant coach for a long time in the NHL like that's a cleaner transition because I I, I just like I'm picturing a world where like I said let's say they lose another couple of games and then you make the change and Keith comes in what happens if they keep losing like you're you, your your season's over. Well, so the Blues fired. It was Mike Yo, right? Yep. They fired him November nineteenth. So which is tomorrow? Now, yeah. Yep. So right now is when they fired him. Um, I so that so that's different. And and I think the point about Keith is is important. If he is your guy, and we've assumed that for a while that that he would be the the successor. It's a really tough spot to put him in. First NHL coaching job ever. Like hasn't been an assistant, never coached in the NHL. You're just like dropped into like a team with Stanley Cup expectations and turmoil. I do want to get back to the stuff about the roster um, because it's interesting. Like when you look at these decisions that a front office makes when they happen and then once you get to see the results, like the the Curtis McElhinney and Garrett Sparks one, is an interesting one because like the process of it is still right. Like the, the process decision of picking the 25 year old who was the reigning AHL goal of the year, just won you a Calder cup or helped when you a Calder cup that still like is the right decision in process. And I still think like, if you look at that trade, if you can exchange Nazem Kadri for like a younger, not quite as good version, cheaper along with, a top four defenseman who is better than anything you have on the right side, making two and change. I don't know how you, you don't do that. Is he a perfect fit for like what they needed? No, but like he's talent. And I just don't think you assume that a guy would come in and have this much of a hard time. Maybe you should. Um, I don't know. Maybe we underestimated like how difficult it is to come to a new team after having been in one place for so long, I don't know like what we underestimated about that, but the process of that decision still is right. They're not asking him to play tough minutes. They're, he's like they're basically their number four defenseman, and but that's what he wasn't like. He wasn't on the top pair in Colorado. Like he, the difference yeah. was he was on their number one power play unit, and like maybe like like Babcock has talked about it a lot. Like maybe not being on the power play and, and getting points that way and feeling the puck and getting confidence that way has had some impact along with like everything else change wise. Yeah. I you're, you're, but there, and then like, here's a counter argument though. Like the, the process with deciding who the backup goalie was to me, that was a flawed process and the process with deciding that your upgrades on your def- like you, they changed over the defense a lot. The upgrades mm-hmm. on defense are going to be CC and, and Barry. Like if if but if isn't CC and Barry better than Hainsey and Zaitsev? It doesn't look like it right now. Like yeah. I mean, like the process. I think if you look at the individual decisions, mm-hmm. 
the way you're saying lines up, but then all of a sudden you look at what you've got as the whole. Like uh, some of this is in hindsight. Like you and I at the beginning of the season thought this was going to be a good team. Now that they're not a good team right now, mm-hmm. we're picking through and trying to figure out why that is. And you can't not look at some of the decisions they made with the roster and say, this didn't work. Like, it, like if, if they yeah, keep going down this true. path. Sure. Yeah. That, that's a fair point. And, and that's, and that's the other part of this, like that I tried to kind of hit on when I wrote about it after the game in Pittsburgh, it's a big deal to fire a coach, especially if, if you're, you're Kyle Dubas. This is like, this will be your first, like you, you didn't hire this coach. Like when you make this move, like you said, James, now it's, now it's on you. Like now, now you don't have another card to play. Like you better be absolutely sure um, that Mike Babcock isn't the one to turn it around, that now is the right time. And the problem I have, James, like, like you said, if they, they lose a couple games, it's still like, it's, I, I understand like you don't have a lot of time. It still feels like under 30 games is, is too soon. And yet, like if they lost seven or eight in a row, like I don't know how you resist doing something. I, I think then you, I think then like, like if there's like a, a diagram or a chart or something of how close Mike Babcock is getting to be fired, we're progressing along and getting closer to where that could happen. Like, like it, it's not like it's not, it's not on the table at this point. Like we're not saying that it is on the table. The question is just like, do you think that potentially he can turn this around? Well, so some of the things that need to turn around is obviously they need to play better defensively. I mean, some of the goals that they're giving up are not goals that you should be giving up. Uh, the Pittsburgh game was kind of like a the worst case example where they just didn't play well at all. Um, but then like you even look in games that they played pretty well, like Boston, they played okay. Islanders, they played okay. And it's just like these, I think Muzzin called them like these weird lapses that they have. And that's what it seems to be. Um, Like it almost felt like they start to gain some confidence in those games. Like they're starting to put it together a little bit. Then they lose to Boston, really frustrated, and then just don't show up in in Pittsburgh. Like it's kind of like we've been trying, we've been trying, trying, it didn't work, whatever. You know, like you kind of lose the rope for a second. I don't know if you yep. feel that, but I guess some of the things that could change, um, the, the the one that would be most concerning to me is is the penalty kill. Just because we saw, you and I talked about this, and I think you wrote about this when he was hired, that, that Dave Haxtell's record with the penalty kill in Philly was not very good. Um, and yet they're getting Zach Hyman back. That should help. They lose Mitch Marner, good penalty killer. That hurts. Like, I don't, what do you think will improve? Like, what what can you see improving? Or do you think that Mike Babcock can help improve? I guess is a better way to put it. I, I like, I think that at even strength, what can improve is they go back to being the team that they were the last two seasons, where they were a really hard team to contain. They were generating generating a lot of really high end scoring chances. Like we've seen. Some of what I don't like about the Mike Babcock criticism is they're criticizing him for coaching uh, a poor expected goals. It's like, but but the Leafs have been good at that for years. 
they've been they've been good at generating those chances. So when it turns bad for nine or ten games, then all of a sudden you say that's an indictment on Mike Babcock. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of weird. Like he's so I uh, so this is to preview the story I'm working on for for Tuesday morning, um, which people will probably be able to read uh, by the time they hear this. Um, I talked to the players about the expected goals and about the shot locations and all those things. And they are saying like Morgan Riley said, we didn't change our system. Like this is not, the coaches did not come to us and say, play different. It's, it's, it's an execution thing. So are we blaming Mike Babcock for the team not generating um, high enough quality chances when the message has been the same as the last two years when they have been generating those chances? Mm -hmm. Like does, like if we go through and talk about process, like you're saying, does that process make sense? You can blame the coaching staff for the for the special teams, for sure. Like they've obviously made changes there to those systems, and there are changes that have not worked. And some of that's on the new assistant coaches, but some of that's on the head coach too, because he's going to be given the the thumbs up to those decisions. Yeah, he's the last line. Like, he's got last say. And like he mentioned, like in Pittsburgh, I thought it was a good line. Like he said before the game, he said, I come out of those penalty kill meetings being like, I like that. Like, I like what's going on. And then and then I see some of the goals and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. And I guess you can also count on the fact or, or hope, um, A, that you get healthier. Uh, that's not going in the right direction right now. Um, you won't have Mitch Marner for at least a couple weeks, probably be more. We don't know when Alex Kerfoot's coming back. They're playing Jason Spezza as their third line center. That's not ideal. I wonder, just on a side note, do you think there's any possibility that they play Pierre Engvall at center and instead of Jason Spezza? Is that possible? Or do you just, just think he slots in on the wing of one of those lines? This was like the big debate at practice today about where Engvall fits in, if he's going to play... Some of the media were saying they think he's just there because they need an extra forward. Some of the media were saying that he's going to play. On I don't the wing. buy that. He's put, he's come to play, man. They're not calling him up just to be around. They would have done that before the trip, wouldn't they have? Yes. Well, so the, the, Josh Cloak, who he's writing, working on an Engvall story for us, he was saying like, "Do you think he's going to play for sure?" And I was like, "Why would you call up a young guy who's doing really well with the Marlies and playing big minutes, and like make him sit in the press box on this trip, like?" They and the thing too is that I don't like the way the fourth line has been playing. I don't think Shore has been very good. I think he's taken some bad penalties. And the only thing that that concerns me about Engvall playing center, and this was a debate I was having with some of the other media people, is that he hasn't done it for very long. Like, no, nope. I've talked to I've talked to Engvall about playing center. Like he really hadn't done it at all until they started putting him there last year, just because there's an organizational need for for centers and. I think what they're going to do is it's going to be an all former Marley's line with Timoshov and, and the goat and, and Engvall. And, um, you know, Babcock talked today a little bit about the chemistry he saw with Goche and Engvall playing together uh, in the American hockey league and, and trying to regain some of, of what they saw there that they liked. The only thing is, is that like, are they still going to bury that fourth line and give them like 2% offensive zone starts and put them in the D zone every single shift because if they do it's going to be hard for Engvall to make a huge impact I think I mean he's he's a great skater he's he's good on the breakout and through the neutral zone um but I'm not I I don't know that he 
I mean, he's, he could potentially be better than Nick Shore at, at, at that breakout, I guess, just because of his skating ability. I'm not convinced that that's what they would do. But, and yet, like... Well, so what do you think it, they're going to do? Well, like, just... I I can see them keeping that fourth line together. One, like, Nick Shore thing that I didn't end up using for my Monday thing, but suddenly, like, the face-off numbers are kind of going a little bit sideways. So just that that's just something to keep an eye on. Anyway, I think they'd keep that that fourth line together. I wonder if it, this is like more a Nick Batan or Timoshov comes out and I don't know if you move like it, it it would be weird to take someone who's never played in the NHL and just put them on a third line, but I don't know, maybe that's what you do or maybe you No, I mean I don't Babcock know. you weren't you weren't here today, but Babcock's talking about the Goche Angwall chemistry oh, okay. well, and there, so like then for I'm sure. pretty sure yeah. that's I'm pretty sure that's what he's looking at and I I bet he's frustrated with Nick Shore. I mean, like Nick Shore's got two points. He's taken twelve penalty minutes. He's got twelve penalty minutes. He's not journey. He's got six shots on goal. Like he's not. He's not really doing enough. Well, and if he's not like, winning faceoffs, like suddenly you you don't have any justification for keeping him Go, in the lineup. Go, Goche's got and he doesn't even shots on goal. And Shore's got six. Like, like so you're, you're saying maybe if, like you're. Go ahead. If if. Goche is generating three times as many shots as you. That's, and you're on the same line. That's that's a problem. So maybe your fourth line is Timoshov, Goche, and Engvall, and then your third line is Mikheyev, Spezza, and Patan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Engvall can't be your third line center. Like, there's no way he's ready for that. Like, yeah, it's going right. to be. You can't put it, his first NHL game can't be like the guy. I like Engvall a lot. I wrote about him at training camp last year because I thought he he really stood out and looked great for a guy who's six five. He skates like like he, he's probably yeah, one of that's the fastest, always been his thing. Yeah, he's probably one of the fastest, really tall players you'll ever see in the NHL. Like he's he's got absolutely has NHL speed. The question is, does he have? The defensive acumen, does he have the play away from the puck? Um, does he have the physicality? Like some of the criticism of him has been kind of been kind of being a, a perimeter player given his size. So it'll I think he's an NHL player. Like I think he's gonna he's gonna stick. Um, maybe not this this go round, but at some point and another good like depth pick out of Sweden that the Leafs have made. I don't know how you get any offense out of those bottom two lines, which means you really have to get that Matthews line has to be awesome. Like it's generally been the last 10 days. They need Tavares to get going. Like Tavares's five on five numbers this year are, are not good. Um, so they really need those guys to get going. Like, so we can look at some of the stuff that needs to change for Babcock Um and we can also look at the players. Uh, their power play, that, that's on the coaching staff in, in part. I don't know that there's much you can do. I guess there is something you could do. Like you could you could change some personnel. I, I Like once Marner's back, then I think that gives you more options to really try some things. Maybe you try Tyson Berry on the first unit, like you've been saying for a long time now. Um, what do you think of, we'll wrap up in a couple minutes, but what do you think of them finally breaking up the Muzzin Berry combo and putting Justin Hall higher in the lineup. I think it's long overdue. It's long. It's long overdue. Like I don't know why the deep pairs. The deep pairs have been the same since the beginning of training camp. They well, that's not any, true. 
other than Durbin they haven't changed in. the top four. No, their 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 bottom pair has changed all kinds throughout the year. Yeah, well, I like, guess Justin cares, Hall has kind who of cares? become like, yeah, like they haven't made an impactful change to the D the whole way along, and like look where their record is, and look how many they've won two games in regulation in the last fifteen, like, and their expected goals the last nine games I think is at forty four percent, like the lowest we've seen since like Randy Carlisle was coach. Like it's it, it's time to change something up, and I, I like the change that they made. I would look at changing the Riley CC pairing. I'm sure they're looking at it and like we're not sure what we're gonna how what we can do that makes sense there, but maybe the hope is that that Muzzin and Hall play really well and then they can handle some more difficult minutes. You know they're they're in a bit of a bind, but you gotta at least try some different things. Yeah, I, I think that'll be interesting to see how those two perform and like maybe I'll be interested to watch that that Dermot Barry pair. That that kind of seems like it'd be fun. They just need to kind of figure out a way to to get Tyson Berry feeling better about himself. Yeah, he's um, really down. He's I, really down. Like you know, yeah, I've to like media. been saving these quotes from talking to him like a little bit ago, and like he just seems really lost. Like he he seems like he's his kind quotes of in his today head. are like. Did you see his quotes yeah. today? Like it's no, he's like saying that the contract's weighing on him, and like like he's he's one of those guys that 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 is very open and talks a lot. And normally that's that's great and admirable, but sometimes in these situations they can like they're so brutally honest that it's like wow, like that sounds really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes they give you a window into their soul more than some other guys. And in his case, I think that he's just he's really really struggling. You know who was really like that was Connor Carrick. Remember how how much he yes. talked. He would like tell you exactly what was going on in his mind and like how he's feeling. And it was great to talk to him. Um, but you could kind of, you got a better sense of the struggle that, that he sometimes went through. Um, but you wonder like the, the contract has to like be in the back of your mind. Like suddenly like he has two points in the last 19 games. He has six points all year. Like this is a guy we were coming into the year thinking like the Leafs will not be able to afford to keep him. Um, like, he's going to want seven or 8 million a year. And now like he's on pace for what? Nothing like points wise. Yeah. Like it's got to be like in the back of your, yeah. Like it's got to be in the back of your mind, like man. And then you start to press and like, then people like me and you are coming and being like, why, what's going on, man. And and you're like, well, I don't know. And like, then it gets in your head. It just feels like it's a really big kind of snowball that he never would have had to deal with in Colorado. Like Colorado, there's like a handful not even of, of media covering the team. Like it's just way different. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like, it's, it's a different version of it because they're, they're entirely different styles of players. But it's like when Mike Commissaric came to Toronto and granted he signed a contract and came here, but it was like, suddenly he was trying to like justify his contract. And obviously Barry's the opposite, different type of player, but it's like the pressure is kind of similar. Like you feel like you got to come in and like do something. You know what I mean? I didn't ask to talk to Barry today because I thought it was kind of overkill. Like he's talked a lot and he's been saying, but then, you know, other people did and he gave a scrum and then it's like, it's like groundhog day for him. Like he's, he's having to come out and say the same things over and over and over again. And the questions are getting even more pointed about like worrying about next year and all these things. And it's, it's snowballing on him a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, it can change. Like he scores a goal, starts feeling a little bit better about himself. Like this is a guy who scored 14 goals in each of the last two years, has no goals. Maybe you get one, feel better, and then go from there. So. The the other thing I was going to bring up, and we kind of you talked about this a little bit, but they got to start getting some out of that third line. Like the third line is, Mikheyev has done nothing for what he has. Like he has like no points in seven or eight games or something like that. And yeah. like, I just don't know how. Yeah. Like, look at the people on it. Like, what do you? I don't know what you're expecting to get out of it. Like, it's not. Yeah. Well, I mean, all this talk about the least forward depth, like they. There's got to be something they can do. Like they got too many guys that can't produce any offense at all. Yeah, yeah. So very well. It honestly, like when you when you end up dressing a fourth line that you're that's basically just a defensive fourth line. That's that's that knocks out kind of one line, and then you take off like they're missing how many top nine forwards. More, I guess, more, more Kerfoot like, and Marner, right? Like, yeah. So you take off. That's 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 a whole line. Like, that's you take you you move everybody up, and like suddenly you're just not as as good. But like they have enough talent that they still still should be able to score. Um, I think that they should demote a guy like Shore. I like that they called up Engvall. Maybe you bring up an Aberg or an Agostino or one of these guys that's producing in the AHL, and like, yeah, like they they, they need some offense. Like they. And, and you've got the cap space now to have carry a full roster because you've got Marner on long-term injured reserve. And, you know, uh, Agassino's got more than a point a game with the Marlies. He's a guy that's played in the NHL. Aberg's got 16 points in 15 games. Uh, Bracco's got 13 points in 15 games. Korshkov's got eight goals in 15 games. Like, get get some more ability on, into, the, into your lineup on your third and I think it's lines. a very good point. Yeah, I think it's a very good point. That's and we'll what see I'm if they for. do it. That's what I'm here for. Good job. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before you hit the town and and party it up? I don't. I'm sure you can hear. Like I, I feel terrible. So like, just I was pop a call, couple Advil cold yeah, and sinus and, and well, go. then I, how am I going to hit the town if I do that? Like you can't. Then I'm not going to be able to drink if I do that. So anyway, don't so, ignore those rules on the bottle. They don't mean anything. Those, those are. This is my conundrum tonight. Is I'm in. I'm finally in Vegas. I'm away from my little kids, and they're still with me. And in, in the germs they have given me as their gift. So, I think you should just go hard. Yeah, that's not a good idea. The opposite of that, what I do. That that story will not be. That will not be a good story. And covering tomorrow's game will not be fun. And then I got a flight early the next day after that. And when you're on the road, you got to take care of yourself. It's just. It's like load management, right? Like you got to. Yeah, hey, you're talking to the chief of that club. Yeah, but you do that at home too, so. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> generally. This week I'll, I'll just go hard because you're not. Cause you should, man. Here. I don't even know what you're doing. We're paying you. And what are you doing there? You're just. <laughs> you're not even. This is the only work you're doing all week. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> true. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy the town and uh, we'll talk, uh, I guess, next week when you. When, you're back and then I hit the road to Detroit. Thanks, James.